Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. And today we are going to do, I guess it's episode 25. It is episode 25. Episode 25. We should be excited. It's a double-sized episode. It's not a double-sized episode. <laughs> it's a, it's a foil-covered podcast. I'm a hologram. <laughs> I am embossed right now. You can't see it, but I am totally embossed. Uh, we are going to cover issues 52 and 53 today. Uh, we're excited about these issues because they're great. These issues are not good. They're not as bad as the last issues. No, the last ones are bad. These are at least somewhat entertaining. But before we get into that, previously on The Avenging Hour, uh, it seems like just yesterday the Hercules sauntered into our lives and now he's gone. Even though the team is down to three members, we say good riddance to bad demigods. Oh, and the Collector, that sun-bleached trash bag filled with zombie kittens, came back to roofie the team again. But he was foiled by his own robot. And now, when John stops laughing, episode 25. You made me snort. <clears throat> you get to start off this time. All righty, then. It's Avengers number 52 from May of 1968, and it's called Death Calls for the Arch Heroes. Really? That's the title? It's the that title. awful. <laughs> Roy Thomas and titles. I'm not so sure what about him. Arch Heroes? What does that even mean? That's what I was wondering. I don't understand the... It is by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. Buscema? And when did we change his name? <laughs> and here we go. The Black Panther has arrived to join the Avengers, but when he arrives, he finds Avengers Mansion oddly dark. Despite the fact that it's the middle of the night, so perhaps everyone is simply asleep, T'Challa decides his best move is to sneak into the mansion in case something is wrong. He sets off a few traps on his way in, but unsurprisingly, the traps at the mansion are incredibly easy to bypass. <laughs> he soon finds the other three Avengers, Hawkeye, Goliath, and the Wasp, collapsed on the ground, seemingly dead. He's immediately accosted by S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jasper Sitwell, who accuses the Panther of perpetrating the heinous deed. The Panther decides not to fight the obviously unstable agent with the gun and waits patiently while his captor calls for the police. When the officers arrive, Sitwell explains how he came to the mansion on an errand for Tony Stark and found the Panther and the dead Avengers. The Panther reveals his true identity and explains that he came to praise the team, not to bury them. Just then, the Black Widow returns from her vacation only to find Hawkeye dead. She has a breakdown, and the police, knowing what to do when you find a black man at a murder scene, even when you have no evidence to connect him with the crime in question, arrest the Panther and haul him down to the nearest precinct. At least he didn't get shot. Meanwhile, news stations are reporting the death of the Avengers, and while the team's big guns react to the news, they don't care enough to come and help. Also listening is new baddie, the Grim Reaper, who obliges us with a flashback. He explains that he flew over to the mansion on some sort of airborne platform, then blew a hole in the wall to gain entrance. He then proceeded to hand the Wasp, Goliath, and Hawkeye their avenging at, um, Tukuses. And why would he do such a thing? Why? Because he's the brother of Simon Williams, also known as Wonder Man, who joined, betrayed, and then saved the Avengers way back in issue number nine. Now the Grim Reaper is going to get revenge for his brother since they didn't save poor Wundy. Across town, the Panther is tired of dealing with the police and he decides to go on the lam. The police try to stop him, but against his reflexes and speed, they are powerless. The Panther believes that the Grim Reaper is hiding in a sealed off section of Avengers Mansion itself and he heads back there to test his theory. It turns out his hunch was right on the money and soon the Panther and the Reaper are locked in mortal combat. While they're fighting, the Reaper explains that the Avengers aren't actually dead. Instead, the Reaper put them into a state simulating death, but if they're not revived by a blast from the Reaper's scythe before three hours have elapsed, 
they'll be real-time dead. The panther knows he has to save his teammates that he's never met before, so he grabs the Reaper's scythe and hightails it to the hospital where the Avengers lie in their death-like comas. This time, the police follow their training and immediately start shooting at the black man, but he evades them and douses the Avengers with a ray from the scythe, reviving them. The Avengers call off the fight and go to find where the panther had left a grievously wounded Reaper, only to find the Reaper has escaped. Not phased by this all-too-common turn of events, the Avengers officially induct the panther into the team, and declare their intention to find Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch and find out if they're really traitors. The end. Our roll call this week, we are back, or this issue, we're back to a quartet of Avengers with the Panther, Goliath, Hawkeye, and the Wasp. Uh, we also, our villain is the Grim Reaper. And in flashbacks, we see Wonder Man. We also see in non-flashbacks, Jasper Sitwell, the Black <laughs> Widow, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. So we we should mention, and you had you had talked about this before, that they're not actually calling him the Black Panther. They're calling him the Panther, sort of most of the time. Yeah, it seems to go back and forth. Uh, we'll, we'll see in a later letters column. Someone will write in and basically be like, "You don't have to stop calling him the Black Panther," and they're like, "Yeah, I guess not." They also have changed his costume. The Black Panther. Most, if, if you don't know his costume, and why would you? Because he's only now becoming a more prominent hero. He basically wears a, an all-black bodysuit with a complete black face mask. Right. For some reason, they've cut out his nose and mouth on the mask. I, it doesn't bother me. I it doesn't like it. It doesn't bother me either, but I'm not sure why they made the change. They will also stop that in a few issues, and he'll go back to his traditional costume. Yeah, I think by the end of this episode, I think next episode he's back to his... They also try out a thing where instead of... In comics, to make someone look like they're wearing all black, they can't color it in completely black, because you won't be able to see any kind of detail. So they use uh, dark blue as a highlight, and in an upcoming issue, they decide to use white as a highlight against his black... It looks ridiculous. (laughs) As you do. Yes. We we talked a little bit about the Black Panther's history last episode, and by a little bit, we basically said he first appeared in Fantastic Four a couple of years before this, and he is the king of the African nation of Wakanda. Which evidently doesn't appear on any maps. No, which is a little odd. I don't know. Do, how does it not appear? Is it Does it seem like it's a part of a country? Is that map just like, don't know, question mark, question mark, question mark? <laughs> There's just a bunch of trees thrown over top of it. Every time we fly over, I can't see anything. So we should probably talk a little bit about Black, the Black Panther and about Wakanda. If you insist... So the do bl- we know anything about it at this point in Marvel? We history? do because okay. they they'd gone over all of this in the Fantastic, in the Fantastic Four. Because gotcha. by this point in time, he'd appeared in the Fantastic Four a handful of times. The black the Black Panther's father was named T'Chaka. His name is T'Challa, and the t- part is handed down. What makes <laughs> what makes Wakanda such an important nation is that Wakanda has what is one of the few places in the world where one can find the super metal called vibranium. Now vibranium has is incredibly tough. It's also able to, as as so many metals are, it's able to absorb vibrations. This is one of the reasons why Captain America's shield, they often say it's it's made of adamantium, which it is. But if I'm correct, there's some vibranium in there as well. it's an alloy of It's an alloy. Because otherwise, when Captain America may be able to use his hammer to stop, or use his hammer, use his shield to stop Thor's hammer, it would shatter every bone in his arm. (laughs) Right, from the vibrations. Uh, But the vibranium reduces that, reduces the vibrations. Vibranium, incredibly, incredibly valuable. And apparently what Wakanda does is is mine it and sell it a little bit at a time. Yeah, from what I understand, they sit on a big underground mountain of it. And that's it may it has made Wakanda one of the one of the wealthiest nations in the world. In Marvel's world. In Marvel's, yes. Well it doesn't well, exist. Let's not get confused. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get our vibranium from Wakanda in the real world. There is a gentleman by the name of Ulysses Claw. 
Ulysses Claw wants vibranium. He dresses like he's um, Dr. Livingston. And <laughs> early Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. And he heads down to Wakanda to get the vibranium, to poach the metal as it is, as it were. And Black Panther's father, T'Chaka, who was at that time the Black Panther, because the Black Panther is a mantle that's handed down from generation to generation, tries to stop Claw. Claw kills him, which makes T'Challa the new Black Panther. Now, we should probably say the Black Panther technically doesn't have any superpowers. The Black Panther is one of your typical amazing athletes, you know, not quite as strong or swift or or agile as Captain America, but really darn close. Yeah, and he is, his powers as they are, are aided by some sort of mystery jungle herbs that he takes. Do they drop that at some point, or does he... He doesn't really mention it much anymore. Yeah. I think probably because of the association of the panther is taking some sort of odd shrooms <laughs> to get his powers. That, and I think it seemed a little too native, Silly. maybe. Well, that too. Kind of get away from that as we progressed as a society. <laughs> yeah, he. but he does. He takes a jungle herb, which is supposed to make him an incredible tracker, Right, heightened his it supposedly heightens his senses, so a sense of smell and, and <laughs> he can smell things. <laughs> but it makes those really good. Later on, what we'll find out about T'Challa, which they don't talk about in these issues, is he's also one of those Marvel scientists mm-hmm. who knows everything. And because he's so wealthy, he can make a lot of gadgets. The current Black Panther uses a lot more technological stuff. But at this point in time, he was basically... Just a dude in a suit. A strong dude in a suit. He is a rich king scientist athlete guy. <laughs> exactly. In a nutshell. And and later on, it, it, obviously they're not talking about it now, but he gets uh, claws in his suit. Yes. I mean, really, quite honestly, the Black Panther's superpower now is that they've kind of made him a Batman. I mean, he's a planner. Yeah. He's a, you know, that's what he does. And he's, you can see some of that here. He is by far of the four Avengers we have now. He is by far the one that will plan and think things through the most. Yeah, it is a good thing that Captain America chose him to replace Captain America because he kind of fits that role. Yes. I mean, although they can't possibly let him be the leader because he's the black guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's not going to happen. And he's not, he's not the kind of inspirational figure that Captain America was. Yeah, he's a little more aloof. But the other three are such total dorks (laughs) that at least the black Panther's like, you know what, maybe we should think this through. If the Black Panther had been dead and one of the other three would have had to have rescued them, they would have all been dead. (laughs) So, that's the Black Panther. Uh, You know, the Black Panther at the beginning of the issue tries to sneak in. He should have just punched a hole in the wall. What I don't understand, Captain America tells him about this, quote, new way to get into the mansion that doesn't involve crashing through a wall. And the defenses still try to kill him. And I don't get how big the mansion is. We'd seen a schematic of it. It seemed to only be, what, three stories and a basement? Maybe two basements? Yeah, it's not. But this, he gets in here and he gets stuck in a tunnel and then down in a tube. And this tube seems to go down for stories upon stories like it's 80 feet underground. Well, we spend the first three pages just trying to get the Black Panther into the Avengers (laughs) Mansion. Right, right. Why are we wasting this much time? Everyone else just crashes through a window or a wall or walks right through the front door. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. He's a member. Did we not? Or he's going to be a member. He's going to be, yeah. Did we not think that maybe we could just give him the security code if there is one? No, he has to be a villain to actually just walk right into the place. Obviously, the entire setup of this this issue is a little weird. The the coincidence that Jasper Sitwell would stumble into the mansion. I mean, we never see him in the mansion before. I'm not sure that we'll ever see him in the mansion Yeah, what was his excuse? Tony Stark gave him a special key or something to come pick something up. He was very vague about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Liquor cabinet's empty. (laughs) Sit well, get on that. 
Um, yeah, it, it makes no sense. And, and again, Sitwell has absolutely no reason to believe that the Black Panther killed the Avengers, except that he's a black man near a murder scene. There's no reason. There's strange things here, too. The, the Black Panther checks them for pulse, and he says they have no pulse and no breath, but they're not dead. How is that possible? Well, and let's also, since we're going there, let's talk about the fact that, what are you doing, Grim Reaper? If you wanted them dead, why didn't you just kill, them? Just kill why them? Do you have, what, Is it like when you have to eat and then you have to wait to go swimming? Like, he sort of kills them, but he has to wait three hours to actually kill them? If you can zap them with something that puts them in a coma, you could have just zapped them dead. And what, or, you know, once they've fallen unconscious, just pick up a brick and bash their skulls in. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, this may, I mean, the, if, if your sight won't actually kill them, you know, you can do it other ways. Grim Reaper's plan is, is it's one of these typical villain plans that it obviously, obviously exists only because they need to find a way, they need to give the hero time to save them. But it's, it's just silly beyond belief. Yeah, I... It's funny we bring up the fact that Black Panther can't even, like, trick his way into the mansion, yet Sitwell just walks right in. When Natasha shows up and finds out that Hawkeye's dead, the cops let her by because they say she has an Avengers priority card. Why? She's not a member. Why does she have an Avengers priority card? Hawkeye probably left it out and she just took it. And why could, couldn't they have mailed one to Wakanda so, you know, right. Black Panther could have had a better time getting in? Uh, Sitwell does mention when he uh, has the Black Panther, he says, it's my duty to warn you of your constitutional rights, which he proceeds then to not do. Well, he's warning him about him. Yeah. He wasn't going to actually give him to him. Which is also interesting because, well, of course he doesn't know this, but the Black Panther, I don't know if he'd have constitutional rights since he's not American. No, he could probably plead some sort of diplomatic immunity, but he never does. When the police finally get there, one policeman says... Who would have dared attack them in their own headquarters? Oh, I don't know. Everybody? Has this, this policeman has apparently never read their comic before? What guns do those policemen have? Look at that. That is like some crazy futuristic rifle. Cops don't have those. And then when the Black Widow comes in... When I saw this when Sitwell first showed up, and then these cops with these weird weapons, I thought, oh, this is some weird kind of setup. Like, it's fake. It's Hydra or somebody. Or... It would make sense. When the Black Widow first shows up, she collapses on Sitwell, and she says, forgive me for being a woman, Mr. Sitwell. Yes. Oh, my stars and guards. Please forgive me. Can we please move past this? This is the first appearance of the Grim Reaper anywhere, so I guess we really don't have to talk about him too much. I want to talk about the reactions from some of the other heroes. I okay. love I love we show Tony Stark, he sees it on the news, and Tony Stark is working on a machine in his own lab that has a label on it that says Stark Labs. <laughs> like someone stuck a post-it note on it. How is Thor reading a newspaper that already says they were murdered? It's on the news it's and it's a in newspaper. Edition. How much time has passed? Uh, that J. Jonah Jameson was like, we gotta put out a special edition. Black Panther hasn't even been booked yet and it's already in the paper. The, 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 well, we've talked before about how newspapers at this point in time of the Marvel Universe really did get the news out there quick. They did. They must have had someone on the inside. Before we get into it, I love Grim Reaper. I just want to tell you that. He's, he's one a really of my cool villains because he's one of those over-the-top villains that you don't mind him being over-the-top. Yeah, he's not nearly as annoying as a villain we'll talk about next episode. He seems like he should be foaming at the mouth at all times. Yes, he really <laughs> does. Well, and I think it's probably because cause obviously the Grim Reaper's motivation is a little sketchy. He's a little wacko. He's a, you know he's upset with the Avengers because they let Wonder Man die. No, they killed Wonder Man. Uh, it's their fault he died. Like, it's Baron Zemo's fault he died, right. dude. But because his motivation is already makes him seem unstable, you can accept the fact that he is crazy pants. It's some sort of transitive property in algebra, though, since Zemo killed his brother, but then Captain America killed Zemo. Now Grim Reaper has to kill Captain America, but since he's not there, he'll just take out the rest of the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. If it's... A equals B and B equals C, then... <laughs> 
It's 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 not good. Grim Reaper's costume uses all the colors. That's horrible. Which I think it's great. He gets a much better costume in the future. This costume is a colorist nightmare. I don't know what they were thinking when they did that. Yeah, his new his new updated costume with the skull and crossbones thing on it, the black and purples it looks much better than white. Most of his costume is green. Yeah, it's it's I don't I really don't understand. I do want to point out that he blew a hole in the wall to get into the mansion. Oh, uh, of course he did. Yep. And when he left the mansion, his scythe has the ability to rebuild the broken wall. <laughs> I didn't even notice yeah, that. Right there. Second oh, my panel stars on that and garters. No, you're right. He, he talks about some sort of the electric field, and I'll just put the wall back, and no one will know. I do like his side. He he really. So we didn't really describe the Grim Reaper, but he's basically a guy who, in place of one of his hands, now he has that hand at this time. Yeah. But basically, over one of his hands, he wears this scythe, and it can do all. Ma- it's kind of like the swordsman's sword. He looks kind of like an overcompensating pirate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> basically, uh, I did. Someone here uh, name checks Lucy in the sky with diamonds who does that mm, yeah I did see that uh, Losing the Sky with Diamonds for those who don't know is a song by uh, the Beatles it's from the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album came out in 1967 so it's a pretty contemporary reference for mm-hmm. them it is was supposedly inspired by Alice in Wonderland it is not inspired by LSD like everyone would like you to believe if you believe the Beatles themselves the Beatles was one of them the walrus <clears throat> one of the Beatles no one of the diamonds in the sky we do mention Jason had mentioned that's you <laughs> Oh, hey, I did something. You had mentioned earlier that they the police point out that they can't find Wakanda on any map. Yes. I'm the king of Wakanda. Sure you are, crazy man. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, how would... Oh, it gets better, though, because Black Panther escapes from the police station. He crashes through a window. What floor is the police station on? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. He crashes through the window. He's out on a ledge, and then he jumps across to another building, to the roof line of another building. Why is the police station up on the 12th floor of some random building? That's... Yeah, or if... Well, maybe the police station has that many floors. It's a really big police station. Well, it is New York, full of wretched. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Hmm. The Black Panther does point out to the Grim Reaper that he's a crazy man, mm-hmm. which I kind of appreciated. I think I, most people do when they fight the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I, I'm, I am, I'm a huge Black Panther fan. Yeah, I like Black Panther, especially at this point in time because we've given allowances to certain characters who act crazy because it's the Silver Age and most people are a little bit unhinged. But the Black Panther, even now, is this like bastion of sanity amongst yeah. all of these insane people. Right, he's one of those guys that kind of tells it like it is. He comes in and be like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> exactly, and that's that's really nice to see. I actually don't have everything else we talked about, the Grim Reaper's stupid plan. I don't have anything else. Uh, I, there's a couple things at the end when the, when the heroes come back, when he's actually able to zap them back. The way they stop the fight against the cops that are trying to shoot Black Panthers, Hawkeye fires arrows at their guns yes. and actually splits the metal barrels of their guns. When did, What arrows can do that? Uh, yeah, he doesn't tell. They're probably his, his pistol splintering arrows. Oh, right. But he doesn't actually name them in the... in the. It's not an arrow poon again. <laughs> Question for you. How do you think the public will react to uh, Black Panther becoming a member right after he was accused of murdering the whole team? Yeah, there's some PR work that needs to be done. What they really need to do is be like, look, we never thought he killed the whole team. It's Jasper Sitwell's fault. He's the crazy racist that said, black man murder. <laughs> It's easy to figure out. Look at him. He's like Aryan youth. But, uh, <laughs> he really looks like he's got the blonde hair. He's got the, you know. And what what happened to their whole screening process? Remember they used to have 
like tests or something. They talked vaguely about things that you had to do to become a member. Or just like, hey, you're a member because Captain America said so. Well, I was going to say, there's screening to do, or Captain America can just make you a member. They know nothing about this guy. They really don't. But he did save their lives. The first time they see him is he's zapping them with some weapon, and they're like, hey, you should join us. I like the cut of your jib. Anything else? I got nothing else for for the issue. The bullpen bulletins, I wanted to, there's one more Marvel rank. We've talked about all these Marvel ranks. I thought we had the last one last time. Well, I thought we did too, but there's one more Marvel rank, the FFF, <laughs> Fearless Face Fronter. Careful. The Fearless Face Fronter is an honorary rank that can only be given by Stan Lee and a select committee of Marvelites. That's vague. Isn't it, though? I wonder how many people became Fearless Face Fronters. Stan Soapbox, this issue is talking about the new line of tabloid-sized magazines, which we talked about last month. Last month. He's just now catching up. We talked about it last last episode. Uh, the tabloid-sized magazines are going to be... Right now, comics are 12 cents a piece. The tabloid-sized magazines will be 35 cents a piece. Mm. So that is quite a quite a jump, but they're going to be actual tabloid-sized. Stan points out that you may not see them with the comics. You may see them with the regular magazines. Good luck with that, Stan. Uh, also, the first one is the Spectacular Spider-Man magazine. Which, again, of which there were two issues. So this is going to work out well for them, is what you're saying. Not that one, at least. And letters. Letters. I, I just have one. I don't even care about the content of the letter, just the person who wrote it. Go for it. Michael Uslan. Uslan? Us- I think so. Of Deal Park, New Jersey. Um, his letter, he's confused by all the lineup changes to the team. His, his letter's actually kind of funny. Uh, if you don't know who Michael Uslan is, he was born in Bayonne, New Jersey in June of 1951. And, by 1969, had amassed a collection of more than 30,000 comics that he kept in his garage. At one point, he met up with Roger Stern, who was teaching a college course. Um, Uslan took the course over. It was a course of, uh, teaching about the, the comic book hero. And he it became the first accredited course on the study of comics. Uslan Porter parlayed that attention into a public speaking role, which then offered him the opportunity to be a producer on all of the modern Batman movies. And if, uh, I know in, in perhaps the special features and, and things I've seen that talk about it are slanted this way because he helped produce them. But I, from what I've seen, I mean, he really was instrumental in getting the first Tim Burton Batman off the ground. Yeah. Like, he really, like, you have to give him apparently a lot of credit for helping to get that movie made. Well, he was also involved in some of the other DC properties movies, like the, the Swamp Thing movies, that awful Catwoman movie that Halle Berry was in. That awful Spirit movie. The Spirit movie with the Samuel L. Jackson. And he did actually write some Batman and Spirit comics. And and Shadow. And Shadow, right? And he helped launch the the Just Imagine series, where Stan Lee took DC heroes and gave them a Marvel-esque origin. So obviously he has some things he can be proud of, and some things he maybe not. Yeah, you know. Most of the stuff he did seemed to be with DC. He, he, and he won an Emmy. He's an Emmy Award winner. He oh, helped he? produce the... He was a producer on the cartoon series Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Oh, right. I never really watched the show, but I loved Carmen Sandiego and the theme song. You so. big into the acapella group song? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. In the world of Hollywood, producers often get overlooked. Often because they're like, from the producer of... And you're like, well, who cares they, yeah. what movies they <laughs> produce? Guy. They're producers. It's not like, you know, it's going to be... But I think, I, I really do think he deserves some credit for helping to get it. Because if the Tim Burton Batman movie hadn't launched, who knows when we would have seen a Batman movie. I think a lot of people don't know what film producers actually do. They are the ones that, you know, fund a lot of it, and they and they are the ones that get studios interested in the thing. Well, I think it can also depend on the producer and on the film. Because sometimes I think producers take a very active role. And sometimes producers are like, yeah, yeah, you can use my name if you want to. Well, a lot of them will do that these days because they want to have their name on something. Sure. <laughs> Every other 
literally every other letter in this issue discusses the lineup changes. Well, I wanted to talk about two of them. Oh, Ma- great. Martin C.F. <laughs> of um, Belfast, North Ireland. It's North Ireland, not New Ireland, right? Yeah, that's North Ireland. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> it's next. Next Ireland. Next. <laughs> he again, again, calls Black Widow a carbon copy of Spider-Man, and this is really beginning to annoy me. She has nothing to do with Spider-Man. They have nothing in common except they both are named after spiders, and they can both cling to walls. There is nothing else similar to them. I do, however, like the idea he thinks she should be the Avengers liaison with S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that would have been a really good fit for her. Uh, We also have a letter in here from Dave Wixon of Gainesville, Florida, who suggests that Hawkeye uh, and Ant-Man team up and Hawkeye can shoot Ant-Man along on a harem. <laughs> I saw that. That's a premonition of the future. That maybe. comes along. MVP? Uh, Black Panther. I mean, it has no. to be easy. No one did anything. Right. Uh, useless character? Wasp, obviously. Well, and as usual, she mentions how her stings can't stop the... I'm like, Really? <laughs> Why do you even have those things? Avengers level threat? No. No. I like the Grim Reaper, but no, not by yeah, himself. Yeah. Final grade? I gave it a B minus. That's what I gave I, it. I like the Grim Reaper a lot. He's exactly fun. what I gave it. Now, before we get started on the next issue, we have to talk a little bit about the X-Men. Do we have to? Because yeah. I talk about them in my in my synopsis. The next issue <laughs> is a... The next issue is picking up on a plot point that we talked about <clears throat> with Quicksilver and Wanda rejoining Magneto. If you remember the last time we left Quicksilver and Wanda, they had uh, been at the United Nations where Wanda had gotten grazed in the head by a bullet. And Quicksilver freaked out and Magneto said, let's get out of here. They next show up in X-Men number 43. In X-Men number 43, the issue before X-Men number 43, Professor X had died in a ridiculously contrived storyline that we'll discuss on our X-Men podcast. Great. The original five X-Men, which were Cyclops, Jean Grey, or Marvel Girl, Iceman, Angel, and the Beast, see Quicksilver at Professor X's funeral. When they try to talk to him, Paranoid Pietro thinks they're going to attack him, and he flees. The importance there is that, if we remember at the end of the last time we saw them, actually the last time we saw them, they had gone to a new headquarters on an island. Yes, Magneto Island. Wanda still has no powers, and her, he- and her mind seems fogged, and that's supposedly why Quicksilver is staying with Magneto. Magneto is to help Wanda. He was hoping Professor X could do that. And that's when he found out he was dead, so he went to the funeral, and now he's all upset. Wanda just waits a couple issues, Professor X will be back. (laughs) Wanda says, who cares? I want to leave. I don't care if my powers come back. We need to get away from here. But Pietro says, no, they're staying. At the end of X-Men number 43, the X-Men locate the island, and they invade it. But Quicksilver joins with Magneto and Toad and captures the X-Men. Takes us to X-Men number 44. Toad, again, the smartest evil mutant that there is, (laughs) wants to kill the X-Men, but Quicksilver convinces Magneto not to do that. So instead, they tie them up, and then Quicksilver stands in front of the tied-up X-Men and tries to convince them what he's doing working with Magneto is right, but finally realizes it's not going to work and storms off in a huff. Angel breaks free. He's going to free the rest of the X-Men, but Cyclops says... No, 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 don't free us. Go find the Avengers. Right. Quicksilver tries to fly after the angel. Oh, he's with his awesome flight abilities. I hate it. Woo! But angel escapes. Right. Which takes us to X-Men number 45. Which I've got covered in my synopsis. All right, go for it. <clears throat> so, issue 53. This one is called In Battle, Joined. June 1968. Roy Thomas, John Basima. Could it be? Are we actually going to finish up that Magneto stole the Maximoff storyline that everyone forgot or tried to forget about? Boy, oh boy. I can't wait to see how this turns out. In fact, I'm not going to wait. Let's just skip to the end. Hey, look, Magneto's dead. Well, good riddance. I'm sure we'll never see him again. So, what do you want to talk about now? How about that Grim Reaper from last issue? He was something. And, uh... I guess it's pretty cool to have Black Panther on the team. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
You're contractually obligated to recap the issue. Okay, fine. Uh, I guess someone out there still cares about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Ooh, ooh, me! So here's a quick recap. Uh, last time we saw them, Magneto made a big to-do at the United Nations, like we talked about. He got the twins on his side by basically shooting Scarlet Witch in the head with someone else's bullet and then blaming all of humanity for it. After that, over in X-Men number 45, he whisked everyone away to Magneto Island where he also lured the X-Men, all except Angel, who had escaped to go warn the Avengers. Cyclops freed himself, confronted Quicksilver, and the two fought for like seven pages while Magneto hassled Toad. Then the Avengers showed up, and now here we are. Our issue picks up from there, with the Avengers crashing the party and jumping to as many conclusions as possible. First off, they think Cyclops is attacking their teammate Quicksilver. Cyclops, to his credit, doesn't think the Avengers are actually the Avengers, but maybe some robots or some other losers dressed up to look like the Avengers because Magneto's tricky like that. Regardless, they fight. While that gets started, we're treated to a flashback of a skydiver who sees Angel go flying by. Not sure why those three panels were necessary. Anyway, Angel makes it to the Avengers mansion and explains his predicament. With the Avengers on his side, they all head back to Magneto Island, but on the way, the team spots a tracer in Angel's wing feathers and assume he's a spy or something. So they leave him tied up in the arrow car and leap into battle. Back in present time, Magneto is slapping Toad around some more. Then Hawkeye and Goliath start fighting each other for no reason, and Black Panther jumps in just for fun. I am so confused. Soon, the rest of the X-Men are free, but Magneto turns on some sort of brainwashing ray that makes them think they all want to kill the Avengers. A perfect plan. Then, fight, fight, fight some more. Magneto looks like he may win this battle, but then someone turns off his evil ray machine. Who did that? Why, Angel, of course. See, it was all a setup. The Avengers knew Magneto was listening in, so they only pretended to distrust Angel. Secretly, they left him loosely tied up so he could make his move when Magneto's attention was elsewhere. Sure, that makes sense. It also makes Magneto so mad that he smacks Toad around even more. Well, now Toad has finally had enough. That was one slap too far. He flips some sort of self-destruct switch, and everyone scrambles for the exits. Toad helps the twins escape in a non-metal ship that Magneto conveniently built just to prove that he could. The good guys cram into the arrow car, and everything explodes. The end. A roll call for this issue. Hawkeye, Goliath, Wasp, and Black Panther, the same quartet. Uh, all the original X-Men are here as well, and we have Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch who basically do nothing. The bad guys are Magneto and Toad, and all I can say is this issue happened. So... I have no notes at all. The Avengers show up at this issue, and Cyclops thinks, those aren't the Avengers. <laughs> right. Well, it's weird that you'd think that since you just sent the angel to go find them. So why are you surprised that they showed up? Well, because angel's, like, angel's not with them, so. And who's that Black Panther guy? He's never seen him before. Now, this is actually, this is the first time we've seen, I guess not the first time we've seen the X-Men. I think they had a cameo in, like, number three. Yeah, they were in once or twice. But we should probably, I don't think we need to explain who the X-Men are in general. I would rather not. But I think we should at least give a little bit of a rundown of what's going on. And it'll be very quick. Because Didn't we just do that? We've covered a lot of it. The original five X-Men, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Beast, Iceman, Angel, this is not a good time for their book. The X-Men book has not been doing well. You know, we're used to X-Men being this huge mecha franchise, but it's... It started out horribly for the first, oh, 15 years or so of its existence. And at this point in time, Marvel obviously had no idea what to do with these characters, and that's why they killed Professor X. No, you know, there's not much more to say. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I don't know what else there is. I'm not going to, I don't want to give it an like X-Men history, because These cares? guys just really suck. That's all yeah, I have to say. They have not developed yet. It's funny when when we think that the Avengers are treating the Angel poorly, and Angel's like, they distrust me because he, I'm a mutant. 
which is funny because they're not treating the angel any worse than they treat anyone else and are probably treating him better than they treated the Black Knight. At least, they're, you know, so it's like, no, dude, you're not being... <laughs> they didn't attack him as soon as they saw him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, dude, you're getting off well. Although the weird defenses in the mansion made it look like he was caught in a bug zapper. <laughs> we are, they are, again, still kind of calling the Black Panther just Panther. Just the Panther. This is the issue where he has the white highlights on his costume that looks ridiculous. Yes, it really rather does. He looks like a chalkboard. <laughs> we find out this issue that Angel has a super sense of direction. I've never heard that power for Angel before. I Maybe because it seems practically pointless. I just was kind of surprised when they mentioned that. Wanda actually says at one point in this issue... Wanda speaks? I totally missed that. Actually, I believe she thinks. She, uh, I believe yeah. she thinks it. She said, she thinks to herself, If only Pietro were here, he'd know what part we should play in this grim drama. Right. If only Pietro were here... He could make my decisions for me. Why can't he tell me what to do? <laughs> Boo-hoo! Oh, my goodness. I cannot stand this this characterization of the Scarlet Witch. Well, to be fair, Quicksilver is the only reason she's there. If he hadn't reacted the way he did, she might actually, you know, be in a hospital and getting she, some help. <laughs> and she has been wanting to leave. When the Avengers start fighting amongst themselves, Hawkeye says to Goliath, You couldn't leave beans to Boston! The heck does that mean? I've never heard that before in my life. You've never heard Boston baked beans? You couldn't leave beans to Boston? No. I've never heard that phrasing, but I'm, I'm assuming it because That's of what it means. Boston baked beans. Yeah. Goliath gets in trouble, is in trouble. And the wasp says, help Goliath, Hawkeye. You know what, wasp? Help him yourself. You are a superhero and a member of the team. Maybe you could do something. Uh, I'm just a girl. It seems like the entire <laughs> issue is just an excuse to get the heroes to fight each other, which I think we're both a little tired of. Mm -hmm. It is nice, though. The ending is very gratifying to see the Toad finally rebel against Magneto. It's been a long time coming. The Toad will, from this point on, always be a different character. I mean, you can you can demarcate. This is him. Really? With Magneto. He will never go back to being... I don't believe he goes back to being Magneto's lackey again. Huh. And when we next see him in Avengers-related material, he will be, if not less ridiculous, at least less <laughs> uh, subservient. He will be trying to become a major villain. And eventually he gets... He becomes... Uh, Marvel tries to make him like a mastermind-type villain. I have one um, pop culture reference in this oh, issue. Shoot. The very first page when the Avengers are crashing through... The skylight, I guess, in Magneto Island. Wait, and Cyclops says, it's the Avengers. And Hawkeye, because Hawkeye is always our pop culture guy, says, well, not it ain't the strawberry alarm clock or something something along those lines. I'm not going to page back and see what he actually says. Strawberry alarm clock, uh, a band formed in Los Angeles in 1967, best known for their hit song, Incense and Peppermints. You know that song? It is you know not a hit song. I refuse to believe it. It was a, a number one song, actually. Uh, they were a psychedelic rock band. Members of the band, <laughs> you'll like this. Members of the band had previously performed in other groups, such as The Sixpence, Waterford Train, Buffington Roads, and Public Bubble. You remember Public Bubble? <laughs> they, they used to come on stage riding magic carpets that were carried by their roadies. Uh, Incense and Peppermints reached number one on the charts, and the band went on to appear on the first uh, televised episode of Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, as well as the movies uh, Psych Out with Jack Nicholson and um, Roger Ebert's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls where I believe they performed like two or three songs at a party scene. Uh, their drummer was actually a winning contestant on the dating game as well. He was the guy that was picked by the girl. For some reason, they have released five albums, the most recent one in 2012. Who would have thought <laughs> Strawberry Alarm Clock still around? Wow. So yeah. Well, now I really have to go find their music because I'm kind of curious. You don't know Incense and Peppermints? No. Uh, my parents used to play that song. You should sing it. I'm not going to. Bullpen Boltons. Bullpen Boltons. We've talked before about the differences in... 
in time between when things are written and when things are published. published. And they mention the bullpen bulletins. The bullpen bulletins are being written on December 26th of 1967, and it would go on sale in April of 1968. So there you go. It's about four and a half, five months. They also mention in the bullpen bulletins that Millie the Model and the Rawhide Kid are selling as well as any of their superhero books. I find that hard to believe. I do too. <laughs> I wonder if they're, if, if that's just if it's true or if that's just a disguised ad for Millie the Model and the Rawhide <laughs> Hey, Kid. you should read these. Everybody else is. And the bullpen bulletins Again, touts the 35 cent Spectacular Spider-Man magazine. Uh, It's by Stan Lee and drawn by Jim Mooney, but Larry Lieber is writing the origin story. Maybe that's why this only lasted for two issues. They didn't exactly get their superstars on this. Larry Lieber, didn't he write the... um the Spider-Man newspaper strip for a long time? I love Larry Lieber, like a brother of Stan Lee. <laughs> but I uh, I don't think that's who... I think if you really want to launch something like this... And Jim Mooney's art... Jim Mooney, if I remember correctly, is an artist who died uh, tragically young in an accident. His art's not bad, but he's not known to... You know, you'd think you'd pull out your... you think you'd pull out the names that people know. Do you think it mattered back then? Well, I don't know. We went two issues, so obviously it didn't go over that well. I didn't know if people cared about the art more. It's just... Or if they were like, hey, it's Spider-Man. That's a good point. Was it, weren't they black and white magazines? They were black and white. That could have had something to do with it. Stan Soapbox is him reassuring fans that the old Spider-Man comic is not going to go away because of the new magazine. <laughs> Obviously. And then he plugs the magazine some more. Well, he won't have to do that much longer. It's true. Letters? Someone wrote a poem. I didn't read it. <laughs> Thomas Miller... <laughs> Thomas Miller of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, writes his, uh, it's not particularly good. <laughs> Is it like an ode to the Avengers? I seriously saw it. I saw that it was in some sort of stanza form, and I went, nope. <laughs> and Marvel's response is also in stanza form. Ugh. Uh, Tony Isabella has a third letter printed. He does. That's, we got to keep track of that stuff. And they mentioned once again in the, and they've mentioned this before a couple different places. They're saying that they they lose money on subscriptions, and they tell people to go to the local news dealer, support the local news dealer. That's where you should get your comics, which is nice sure. to support the local news dealer. MVP, my MVP was Toad because he <laughs> finally got us out of this storyline. I, I actually have the Toad down as well. I mean, ugh, they all suck, or more accurately, they all blend together. There's yeah. no real individual. The Avengers are like one giant gestalt in this issue. Nothing stands out. Useless character? Wasp, again. Yes! Save Goliath yourself. Do something. Help. She does nothing during this fight. Two issues in a row. Wasp, useless. Uh, Avengers level threat? Nope. I still say Magneto. Uh, I know you do, but he is not. He is not even exhibiting any kind of powers that make him a threat in this issue. Final grade? I give it a D. Who cares? I gave it a C. Not much better. I'm not thrilled with it either. So that's it for this episode. That's it. Boy, oh boy. Technology's hard. We are just burning. Burning through 1968. And by burning through, I mean when we finished these issues, we, we lit them on fire. Well, that's what they deserve, really. Ah, uh, Dad. We, we read worse. The previous episode's issues were worse. They were. There's no Hercules Typhon fight for 17 pages. <laughs> and that's a, bu- that's a plus. But next episode, we're actually both excited. Jason and I are excited. We've said this before, but in this case, we've actually read the issues ahead of time. <laughs> we know what's going on. And we can tell you for a fact that I think I may be giving the next issue of the Avengers the highest grade I've given one so far. I, I believe I may as well. They're so, not perfect, but they're definitely a lot more fun than we've been reading. How true. So so what I'm saying is you've wasted your time with this episode, but <laughs> but if you come back next episode, you'll actually get us saying nice things about issues. Thanks for listening, suckers. <laughs> uh, on that front, I do want to point out we've had some new listeners 
just joined us recently. We've got uh, our, our reach is spreading. We've got a couple new states in the fold now. Our tendrils yeah. are snaking through. It's crazy. We have had listeners in Norway and Australia, and uh, we've gotten reached out to Alabama and I believe Texas now. Good day, y'all. Good day, Mike. Out, spread out. I don't think what? that's right. That doesn't seem. Was it was that for Texas or was it for Australia? I don't know. <laughs> I would like to now that we have some new listeners. I would like to maybe make a plea again for them to give us some reviews on iTunes because I think we have to reach a certain threshold and then we'll be recognized somehow on iTunes. Because right now we have we have a few good reviews, great reviews, but it, there's a little bar at the side that says there are not enough reviews to give you a an overall rating yet. So so yes, please if you haven't reviewed us, go and give us five stars. Uh, yeah, five stars would be nice. I'm not going to force anyone. But well, I, I can't force anyone, <laughs> but if I could. I would say five stars. I know where a couple of you live. I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to Australia, but... I'd be a nice excuse to go to Australia. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going to Australia. Uh, as always, you can find our contact information on AvengingHour.com. I've been fiddling with the website a little bit, so these in- individual episodes might show up now rather than just a big, long list of all the episodes. We're going to see what we can do. Uh, please leave, feel free to leave comments on the website. Our Instagram account. I've got... I'm actually going to post some photos from these two issues, so help you out a little bit. That's I, good. I know you've I... been carrying the load. Ugh. Well, I don't mind doing it, but I keep forgetting to post them. I have <laughs> I have photos on my phone. I see you trickle one out like every day. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. I need to... Po-. In fact, when you when we got to this point, I thought, ah, I need to post to the Instagram. <laughs> Completely forgot. I, I take all the pictures and then I forget to post them. I think I have these two issues covered pretty well. But then, yeah, Good. some new funny comments up on there, hopefully. Uh, our Twitter feed, if you need to let us know anything or see when uh, episodes are going up, is at Avenging Hour. Everything's at Avenging Hour. Mail at AvengingHour.com. I'm just going to keep babbling for a while because I feel like it. No, I'm not. Uh, that's about it. Um, tune in next week. We will have some fun issues, hopefully. Uh, thanks for listening. Okay, we love you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.